said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Wow, what a last 12 hours. You know you're in a banana republic when every day, you know, I've been trying to get a couple of little stories on this show, on the Scott Adams Show, for a long time. I could never get to the get to some of the stories that are just sort of mundane, you know, like stories you want to cover. Because every 12 hours, our government is doing something crazy. And of course, for the first time in American history, Kevin McCarthy, um, the Speaker of the House, has been ousted. So that's an interesting development. We've been talking all week about this. We've been featuring Matt Gates on the show on the you know, audio clips on the show and talking about the play and I must confess in one sense I, I, I still think that there's a definite strategy in play but uh, I did not believe that the Democrats were going to go along with it So this is either 1D chess, 2D chess, or 3D chess. And I'm going to explain to you, you know, a little bit about that. Because, you know, it's it's either linear or it's it's coming in from different angles. I mean the Donald the, the Donald Trump factor is definitely real. And I always knew that this was a sort of about Donald Trump. So let me get to that. So the first gla- glance is it's 1D chess. And the Democrats normally would just say, no, we're not going to play ball with Matt Gates. He's the rightest wing uh, Republican over there. And we kind of get what we want out of M- McCarthy. He's, 
He's someone we can, he's pliable. He, he negotiates with the other side. He gives us what we want. And so far he's been doing exactly what we we would expect from a rhino Republican. So we're happy. But then you got these dummies over at the squad and the squad is like, let's rally the troops. And it's not just the squad, but it's a whole bunch of Democrats for one reason or another that have decided, you know what, we're going to go ahead and play 2D chess. And that is, we're going to give, we're going to call the Republicans bluff. We're going to give them what they want. And we're going to hang this noose around Matt Gates' neck so that he gets voted out of the conference like Newt Gingrich has already suggested. Yeah, that's right. Newt Gingrich, who complains about the rhinos in the, in, in the, um, in the caucus not getting things done, but then when push comes to shove, he's the rhino in disguise because Newt Gingrich, who's been coming out sort of like a rock star, and people were even considering, hey, why not Newt as speaker? But he gives, he's too compromising. And you say, well, that's not a bad thing to be compromising and negotiate fairly and squarely and be a Boy Scout, you know, and make your bed, you know, and don't do anything wrong. And that's all well and good when you're playing with the other team that also plays by those same rules. But when you have another team that is going after the Trump family the way they are while protecting the Biden crime family for the crimes we know they're guilty of because we have them on tape, they've never produced a thing, they've never created a job, and somehow the Rhino Republicans are more interested in funding Ukraine for the slush fund that it is and supporting the Biden crime family because they're the ones pulling the green lighting, the money train, the money laundering train of money that goes out to Ukraine and bounces back like a boomerang into D.C. so that everybody gets rich off of it. And it doesn't just come back like it's not like money that gets sent over there and then comes directly back into Lindsey Graham's pocket. It's money goes over there, then comes back and buys products from the military industrial complex who donates to Lindsey Graham's coffers by way of his foundations and campaign strategies. And it makes them all super rich and wealthy and they treat them to golf club memberships and private jet flights uh, to different nice places. Just ask Menendez. He's been doing it for ever since he's been in the Senate. So there's a lot of corruption, and we know that the money that's going over to Ukraine is somehow finding its way back into D.C., and there's a lot of D.C. infrastructure that's getting rich off of those monies. That's why I've always said that, you know, even if you were to give $200 billion to Ukraine, it's still going to cause inflation because it's a global economy. You give the money over there, they're going to buy some missiles. Those people that make the missiles, that make the profit off the missiles, are going to buy a boat 
and they're going to buy a house, and they're going to buy a car, and they're going to buy whatever it is that they want. And somehow that's going to stimulate the world economy, and that's going to be basically pressure on supply because there's this manufactured creation of of, uh, demand. It's basically you're printing money, and you're injecting it into the world economy, the global economy, and people are buying stuff, real stuff, with that money, and it's creating pressure on supply, and that causes the prices to go up because the money's not being earned by production. It's just being injected by a government. Milton Freeman said it best. He said the only cause for inflation is government spending. That's it. Boom. Done. Milton Freeman was right. So please, don't tell me that Kevin McCarthy wasn't fired because of his stance on Ukraine. That's number one. That's the takeaway from this whole ordeal. Anybody that tries to suggest that Matt, Matt Gates had an axe to grind against McCarthy, I think is out to lunch. They're missing the big picture. So we got 1D chess where the Democrats would normally just say, no, we're not going to give you what you want. We have, we're happy with the rhino and the speakership. 2D chess would be, we're not going to, we're going to go ahead and hang a noose around Matt Gates's neck. And, People like Newt Gingrich are going to fall for it because they're so so dumb. They're, they're old school, I guess. And they take the bait and they chomp on it like a stupid Republican always has since the days of Gingrich as Speaker. And he is chomping on that. And next thing you know, the Democrats, uh, the, the Democrats get what they want. They get rid of the Trump... Republicans out of the House because that's really what Matt Gates is. I don't know what you would call Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene th- these days. And that's the other oxymoron, too, is Marjorie Taylor Greene all in for Trump. I got all my chips in for Trump. But yet she votes to stay McCarthy because McCarthy has been giving her a bunch of gravy and uh, applesauce. And she's gotten the whole kitchen sink out of McCarthy because McCarthy needed her support. She was also the one that endorsed J.D. Vance, who was a never-Trumper there for a while. J.D. Vance has turned out to show a new leaf, but I don't trust him as far as I could throw him. And we have something interesting, too. Justin Amash, who was from Michigan, who resigned from the House of Representatives at one point because he hated Trump so bad he couldn't even serve under the Trump administration. Called Trump uh, acting like a fifth grader or something like that. Hated Trump. Came out in support of McCarthy's ouster, which is pretty amazing. And I'm going to read you what he had to say. But here's the thing. Then there's 3D chess. 3D chess could be that... So you got the 1D chess. Democrats would just vote no. Keep the rhino in place. They didn't do that. So 2D chess tried to get rid of the MAGA Republicans by uh, especially that group of eight that voted to oust 
McCarthy, and they basically said, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. We're all in. And that was the thing that surprised me is I didn't think that all the Democrats, they always vote in lockstep, though, like a herd of sheep. They always stick together, don't they? So the Democrats all stick together. They just do what they're told like good little sheep, dummy sheep, goats. They're dumb as goats. So in any case, boom. Then there's the the 3D, uh, and they want the Republican caucus to get rid of, find a reason to get rid of the MAGA Republicans. The Matt Gaetzes of the world and the Andy Biggs of the world, you know. But there were some surprises, too, like Nancy Mace. Mace from South Carolina. And we have an audio clip from her as well. I thought it was a very interesting day in the way things shook out. A lot of things surprised me. Again, I didn't think that the Democrats were going to go along with the Matt Gates thing. So much so that when Matt Gates gave his speech on the, on the House floor, the, re- the Republicans didn't even give him the stand, didn't give him the dais. He had to go over to the Democrat side to get a dais to speak in the chamber of the House, which was also kind of interesting. That behind Matt Gates, while he's speaking, is is Ilhan Omar chomping at the bit, licking her chops. That was trending as well on the internet. She was all excited. Maybe it was Matt Gates' cologne. I don't know. She sleeps with her brother, so you know. Um, but that's Ilhan Omar, and that's her business. We're not going to get into that private business. But here's the other one. So 3D chess is that the Republicans knew they baited. They 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 went against Matt Gates, and they wanted to leave someone like Matt Gates out to dry, and they thought they believed that the Democrats would seize the moment in basically giving Matt Gates something. I don't think Matt Gates even expected it to happen this quickly. And now the talk is that they're going to throw Matt Gates out. The other talk is that Matt Gates is actually wanting to be the governor of Florida. So in 2026, and he denies it, but um, he has said to some people that I know that that's his pursuit. That Matt Gates has said as much to people that I know that he has designs to run against DeSantis for governor. And I don't know. I think I think the governorship in Florida is two terms, maybe. I'm not sure about that, but that's typically the case. Two terms. So he'll be running for that open seat and become the next governor of Florida. So he doesn't really care much about that. He cares about his MAGA status. So I think politically that is the play. So you have to keep that in mind too. But the other thing is now, the big talk is Trump will be the next Speaker of the House. Wouldn't that be something? That would foil all of the litigation. So talk about a play. They get they bait the Democrats into hanging the noose around... This is the 3D chess idea. 
They hang a noose. They they act like they're putting a noose around Matt Gates' neck. They get the Democrats to chomp at the bit like Ilhan Omar was licking her chops. They get that then to. They get the support of all the Democrats who basically all walked off the cliff like you're in the watching the movie, the Three Hundred. And they all just you know they all just dive off the cliff together. They all just jump off like Jonestown. And they just all jump off thinking they're going to get Matt Gates thrown out. They're going to embarrass the Republican Party and they're going to um, exploit this for all it's worth. And what if the case is, is that then when they reconvene next week, they decide to put their hat on Donald Trump as an interim speaker. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would protect Trump from all this, these court cases and <laughs> that are frivolous and political. You know it. And that would be such a great move. Now, the Republicans have an opportunity to do this. Will they do it? That, to me, is the only thing that works. I don't trust anybody else. So here's how it went down. We're going to take a listen to some audio clips, and we're going to talk about it. So here we go. This is clip number one. This is how it all went down. On this vote, the yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The Office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. Booyah! There you go. Uh, this McKendry guy, man, off the charts. He, he was livid, right? He's a pro-McCarthy guy. And he took the gavel because he's the he's right now the speaker of the house acting acting speaker. And man, he's like a little guy that wears a bow tie, a little bow tie wearing guy. And he takes his hammer, that gavel and slams it to the point where he almost breaks it. It it ricochets because he's not strong enough to really do that kind of muscle. He's a little weakling, McHenry. And, you know, but he, you know, like a little man syndrome, just slams that gavel, letting everybody know he's not happy. So Congressman Matt Gates is not afraid of the Vipers on D.C. because he actually represents the American people, not the unit party. Ah, I think Matt Gates is a politician. I've met him many times. And he's a really good guy, neat guy, good guy. Never had a problem with him. I think there are skeletons in his closet. I think there's stuff going on in his life that's a little weird. Maybe. I don't know. But I do like what he stands for. I think he's got, you know, courage out the gazoo. And uh, I think there's another word for that, but I can't say it. In, in any case, I give him a lot of credit for standing up and taking on this role. There are very few people that could do what Matt Gates did, and for that, you got to give this man some credit. 
All right, so let's listen. After things went down, this is what happened. Worried about throwing this institution into chaos, paralyzing an institution that your party runs. Oh no! This is the, you know what this I think? was. This was the day before. This was the night before. Okay, so this was the night before, and uh, this all went down. Sorry. Paralyzes. Worried about throwing this institution into chaos, paralyzing an institution that your party runs. Well, you know what I think paralyzes us: continuing to govern by continuing resolution and omnibus. You know what I think throws this institution into chaos: marching us toward. The dollar not being the global reserve currency anymore. You talk, you talk about chaos as if it's me forcing a few votes and filing a few motions. Real chaos is when the American people have to go through the austerity that is coming if we continue to have two trillion dollar annual deficits. You don't know chaos until you've seen where this Congress and this Uniparty is bringing us. Chaos is not forcing. Well, the and Uniparty is the word of the day, folks, and that's what we're tired of. Um, this was also the night before. You have to listen, listen to this. This is this was great. This was the night before. Forward, if there were to be any kind of agreement, what would that look like, and what would you need to see from the speaker at this moment? Well, I think the die is cast based on the motion I just filed. I think the time for that discussion would have been over the last several weeks, but instead we we saw the speaker continuing. To, I mean, the speaker did not just fail to remediate the breach of the agreement with the, he made with us in January, he accelerated the instances of breach. Like after I laid out the breach, he went and violated the 72 hour rule. After I laid out the breach, he violated the 100 million uh, no amendment suspension rule. So he, he seems to, to be reverting to the very unfortunate muscle memory of Washington DC that has put our nation atop a $33 trillion debt that has led to you know, $2 trillion annual deficits in our near future and the rapid global de-dollarization of the economy. You look at the BRICS system, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, they're moving away from the dollar. And just in August, they added six new countries, including G20 country, uh, economies in the Western Hemisphere and Gulf monarchies. Uh, moreover, you've seen, you saw U.S. News say that the number one economic trend of 2023 is de-dollarization globally. This worries me. You all get all worked up that there's going to be some uncomfortable, chaotic moment that I'll feel pressure from conservatives or Democrats or whomever, I feel the judgment of history. I feel the weight of that. I worry that when the history books are written about this country going down, that my name is going to be on the board of directors here. And if this country's going down and if we're losing the dollar, I am going down fighting. And I don't care if that means fighting Republicans, Democrats, the Uniparty, the leadership, the PACs, the lobbyists. I've had it. I've been here seven years. We don't have a budget. We haven't had one since the mid-90s. I am through with it. I apologize for using that word, but the only path forward here is to have single subject spending bills that can be reviewed, amended, considered, and I think that is the responsible way that our legislatures all over this country operate for good reason. Mr. Reeves, what Republicans do you have with you in the House? How do you respond to Kevin McCarthy's claim that this is payback for an ethics investigation? I am the most investigated man in the United States Congress. I have been cleared by the FBI, the DOJ the Federal Elections Commission by a 5-0 vote. It seems that the Ethics Committee's interest in me waxes and wanes based on my relationship with the Speaker. I believe that Speaker McCarthy is trying to signal to the Ethics Committee to pursue me. When I gave my Sunday interviews yesterday, indicating that I intended to file this motion to vacate Speaker McCarthy, hours did not pass before Republicans and members of the Ethics Committee were backgrounded 
reporters that they wanted to expel me from the United States Congress for bringing a motion to vacate under the rules that we negotiated in January after Kevin McCarthy broke his word. They want to expel me for Congress from that. So, you know what? I'm built for the battle. I face down tougher than these folks, and I'll do it again. Mr. Gates, how Hello. <laughs> check. Check, check. Okay. Um, sorry about that. Uh, my mic was not registering. Um, but uh, that was... <laughs> sorry about that, folks. Um, so, I guess there was some audio overlapping there and it, my mic wasn't working. But um, that was pretty bold statement. Now, here is the day of... During the process, I think just before the vote, while he was standing in the Democrat side of the aisle, and this is what Matt Gates had to say. And when it comes to how those raise money, I take no lecture on asking patriotic Americans to weigh in and contribute to this fight from those who would grovel and bend knee for the lobbyists and special interests who own our leadership, who have... Oh, boo all you want, who have hollowed out this town and have borrowed against the future of our future generations. I'll be happy to fund my political operation through the work of hardworking Americans, 10 and 20 and $30 at a time, and you all keep showing up at the lobbyist fundraisers and see how that goes for you. I reserve. And when it comes wow. to how those raise money. That's uh, pure drama. All right, let's take a listen to... Uh Oh, well, let's let's read this. I'm going to read this here. So we got Kevin McCarthy sold us out. This is someone who wrote this up. Sold us out on the debt ceiling, refuses to hold anyone accountable, hasn't helped J6 political prisoners, which is, to me, the biggest one. Uh, why he's not done more to help the J6 prisoners is beyond me. He should be talking about that every single day. And cowering behind, you know, J6 uh, talk, uh, Democrat talking points or Liz Cheney talking points. Let's not forget that he vouched for Liz Cheney there for a bit, too, McCarthy. Um, sends all of our tax dollars to Ukraine, uh, lied to us about, uh, about repealing 87,000 IRS agents on day one. He didn't do it. Still hasn't released the J6 video to the public. Protects the Biden crime family. Secret deals with Democrats. That's something he did. So I have no love for Kevin McCarthy. And neither does Nancy Mace from South Carolina. Let's take a listen. As a survivor of rape, and I worked all year on a rape kit bill that hasn't seen the time of day, I cannot tell you how frustrating that is as a woman in this conference, in this capital, to have that happen. Like, I, I, if you make a promise, you should keep it. And if you promise women you're going to help them, then you damn well better do it. So as a fiscal conservative, I'm, I'm angry. As a woman, I am deeply frustrated. As a So anyway, that's Nancy Mace. That was the shocker. That was the surprise of them all. Someone else wrote this about McCarthy. We were promised funding for 87,000 IRS agents would be eliminated. He didn't do it. 
Uh, we were promised true oversight on Ukraine. We were promised unfiltered access to January 6th tapes. We were promised border security. We were promised lower spending. We were promised single subject spending bills. So McCarthy failed on all of those things. Again, someone else wrote that. Um, Gates is now going hell. Okay. <laughs> it get, and the hits just keep on coming, folks. So Gates is now going after Jim Jordan, who, look, Jim Jordan was a wrestler. I was a wrestler. We both wrestled in Ohio almost around the same time. He was just before me. And uh, when I wrestled Ohio State, he was the coach at Ohio State like the year later after I had left. But um, Gates is now going after Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan... One of my favorites, but lately he's just been, you know, sort of like the Trey Gowdy syndrome, right? Talk is cheap. He talks big, but he's not getting anything done. And the thing about Jim Jordan is, you know, he's not a lawyer. He's not, I don't think he's a strategist. I think he's, you know, sort of like a, um, you know, in your face kind of guy. And he gives it straight. But I think he's one of these people that falls into traps. He's not sneaky. You get what he wears it on his sleeve and you see what you get. And those are the easiest people to trip up. So Gates really, uh, someone wrote, Gates really burning down the house, GOP around him, responds to Jordan by saying oversight efforts, including their crown jewel, Hunter Biden investigation, look like failure theater. And he used the term failure, th- failure theater, right? So Gates is now going after Jim Jordan and GOP investigations into Hunter Biden while literally standing on the Democrats' side of the aisle. After joining the House Democrats and Liz Cheney to oust the Trump endorsed speaker. You're a hero, folks. So this was obviously someone who is trashing Gates. But I look at this as something a little different. I think that Jim Jordan has engaged in failure theater. Um, I think that that's a real thing. So here's what Justin Amash wrote. Justin, Justin Amash, as I said, was from Michigan. He hated Trump. It was unbelievable how much he hated Trump, for no reason, in my opinion. And I never liked Justin Amash. Could not stand the guy. I used to speak up against him all the time. And... If you were to go to sound, my SoundCloud and put in a Mosh and Scott Adams show, you'd see, because I really was against him. But here he is writing something that I, I don't disagree with. So he says, Kevin McCarthy was by far the worst leader I served with in that Republican conference. Unprincipled, incompetent, duplicitous, vindictive, and entirely transactional. Instead of simply committing to and following through on maintaining an open and deliberative process in the House, he promised conservatives substantive victories he knew he'd never deliver. All the care about all he cared about was getting the gavel. As I've said before, the House needs to follow its rules and allow the genuine participation of every representative. This means starting early on 
uh, major legislation and working through it in committees and on the floor. Any speaker who doesn't run the House this way is perpetuating oligarchy, dysfunction, and hyperpartisanship. I think it's like, again, failure theater, theater in the public eye. Justin Mosh continued this rant, and he says, Kevin McCarthy promised to open up the House, but he never made good on that promise. In this in this entire term, there has been only one legislative item that had an open amendment process, a very narrow, relatively inconsequential bill passed in January. Spending bills by, by rule and tradition going back over 200 years are supposed to be freely amendable from the floor by any member of the House able to garner the votes. Yet zero of the spending bills McCarthy has brought to the floor has been considered under an open rule. All right. So you know how this happened is that you got the one vote rule where you could one person could stand up and take the matter to a vote uh, to oust the speaker. And uh, one person can call for it. And if they can get the support of the opposing party, the Democrats in this case, you got enough votes. So you could, with eight votes, you could actually override 210 votes of the same caucus, which is what went down yesterday. So breaking congressman Matt Gates speaks after Kevin McCarthy was removed. Uh, so that's a that's a longer clip. We can play some of this, but I'm not going to play the whole thing because we don't have time. Congressman Gates, if not McCarthy, then analyzed the House of Representatives today. To whose benefit? People have called you a narcissist. People say that is to your benefit alone. Is it to the benefit of you? It's the benefit of this country that we have a better Speaker of the House than Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy couldn't keep his word. He made an agreement in January regarding the way Washington would work, and he violated that agreement. We are $33 trillion in debt. We are facing $2.2 trillion annual deficits. We face a de-dollarization globally that will crush Americans, working class Americans. Kevin McCarthy is a feature of the swamp. He has risen to power by collecting special interest money and redistributing that money in exchange for favors. Right. And and let me just say, you know, he was rooming with Frank Luntz, right? Frank Luntz. And uh, they were taking money from Google. And you say, well, that's okay. But we got to get this big corporate money out. So a lot of people are complaining about Patrick McHenry acting like a little man syndrome with his bow tie and slamming the gavel and acting like a fool. Interim Speaker Patrick McHenry aggressively slams the gavel as he and 200 plus other Republicans fume over Kevin McCarthy's ousting. Where was this anger as millions of migrants poured over the southern border? Where was the anger as U.S. debt rises over $33 trillion? Where was the anger when the FBI rounded up Trump supporters and threw them in prison? Where is this anger as the justice system tries to take out Biden's top opponents in 2024? They sit back and do nothing as our country burns, but fume when their buddy loses his speaker role. Yeah, that's about it. That's about right. 
And we got to get rid of these politics. Now, one of the things that McHenry did, though, which was kind of interesting, because I didn't see this coming, Acting Speaker Patrick McHenry orders Pelosi to vacate her plush uh, office. The room will be rekeyed. So she's got this like commemorative office. This is like super office that only she gets because she's the lion of the house or something like that. It's crazy. All right, we got a Matt Gates clip here. Let's take a listen to this one. I was very disappointed that Mr. McHenry uh, said that we won't be engaging in the people's work until next week, until Tuesday of next week. Yeah, and I think that's delayed a lot of time. Oh, just to make clear, so he said that the House is leaving town until next Tuesday, and then the Speaker's race is going to be then? Yeah, it was very disappointing. I think we should stay. We should work. Uh, I think we should have a Speaker election this week. I think we could easily come... Um, uh, together as a conference to do that and so I, I i just hate when we pause the clock i hate when we stop our work and don't do the people's business are you who are you you're gonna get behind as a candidate i was well he likes steve scalise steve scalise is big but uh a lot of other people are talking about someone else here's alex jones you can nominate somebody that's not in congress so under the Constitution, Donald Trump should be nominated as a litmus test on these Republicans with all the fake charges and all the fake trials. How awesome would it be to make Donald Trump Speaker of the House? You can nominate. I agree. A hundred thousand percent. All right. So let's take a listen to uh, someone I never listen to, except if he's in a clip. I just can't stand this guy. I don't even record his show. I mean, Sean Hannity. You know, but to hear will is. not seek the speakership again. Now, sources telling me at this hour, some House Republicans sources. have been in contact with and have started an effort to draft former President Donald Trump to be the next speaker. And I have been told uh, that uh, President Trump might be open to helping the Republican Party, at least in the short term, if necessary, uh, if it's needed. Anyway, McCarthy will not. So and Trump made a statement saying, you know, uh, the Republicans continue to shoot themselves in the foot and fire, you know, fight with each other rather than fight the Democrats. So, you know, I, I understand that point. He can't alienate the rhinos and the unit party because he's going to need them to get elected. So he can't just come out and say, great job, Matt Gates." He might do that privately. But publicly, he can't alienate the support. He's going to be the nominee. And he's going to need the support of not just you know, the, the MAGA America First wing. He's going to need them all, right, to win. And so this is what we have going. Let's take a listen to this little doozy from Matt Gates. I didn't even bring up Trump as speaker. A reporter asked me about it, and I responded honestly. And frankly, Speaker Trump has... A great ring to it. <laughs> That's a good one. Yep. That's a doozy. We like it. We like Speaker Trump. Let's listen to what Steve Scal- uh, uh, oh, drawing a blank on his name. Here's here's the solution. You want to compromise on coalition and to get the people paid and get on with Steve the business Bennett. and set up the committees. How about this? A hundred days to save America. And in that hundred days, Donald J. Trump will be voted tonight or tomorrow to be Speaker of the House. And the Republicans say we're going to do it for a hundred days. 
And in the 100 days, you get everything set up, all the investigation set up, and Trump begins the negotiations now. Not when they run out of money. They said, oh, the crisis is going to hit us in the summer or fall. Well, that's where they're out of cash, and they're going to put the gun to your head. We're out of cash. The full faith and credit got to do it. No, let's start it now. We know what this is about. You're not going to hide anymore, and you're not going to lie anymore, and you're not going to spin anymore. And if you want somebody in the room that understands how to do these types of negotiations, his entire professional career is doing that, is Donald J. Trump. 100 days. Let's get him in the room, and let's do the debt ceiling. Let's do all the apart. Let's do the spending. Let's talk about the madness, and let's talk about the Federal Reserve. Who knows more about money or interest rates than Donald Trump? Right now, we're on the verge of spending a trillion dollars on interest a year. One trillion dollars a year, bigger than defense budget. You want to talk about a national security problem? You want to talk running around? We got national security. Got to get Kevin McCarthy right now because this is a national security problem. We got all those guys, the military veterans. I honor their service. Honor their service. The national security issue. National security. Here's the national security issue. You're spending a trillion dollars a year more than the defense budget, which is out of control, on interest. That's a national security problem. And I got a solution. And tell me anybody's got a better solution for right now, for this afternoon. Give it a day. How about this? 100 days of Donald Trump. Let's get him in the room. You don't think their heads will blow up? You don't think that <laughs> the Senate, oh, you can't do that. You got Trump. What are you talking about? You, you want to put it in their ear? You want to get up in the grill? Give me Trump for 100 days. You give me Trump for 100 days, and you'll start the process of sorting out this mess. And the fact that they hate it so much is the better reason we ought to do it. Gates. <laughs> Donald John Trump. Trump. Uh, here's, here's that is the solution, folks. I mean, Trump would call out every one of these rhinos and say, "Well, we got to get these people to come around to thinking straight and stop catering to their donors." And then it would also impact the Senate because when the Senate comes back with wrangling the bill that was sent over from the House, he could say, "Look." Call out the senators. And this would be so great because he could pretty much campaign every single day. It would be such a smart move. You just wonder why they wouldn't do it. Right? And then here, listen to listen to uh, Jim Jordan weasel. He doesn't give a straight answer. And this is the problem with Jim Jordan anymore. He supported McCarthy. He's unhappy about uh, what Matt Gates did, um, and uh, and he doesn't give a straight answer. Listen to this. Uh, I've now heard from a number of people. I know for a fact Donald Trump has been contacted uh, about possibly him being an interim speaker. Is that a reality? I don't know. He'd be great, but I, I don't actually, know. I want Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States. If he wants to be speaker, well, he great. Still, but, well, he, uh, I, I want, I'll be I want clear. See, Jim Jordan won't answer the question. If he wants to be speaker, that's great. I want him to be president. No, no. Fix the problem and do what's right because it's this move that gets him into the White House. If you want him to be president, get him to be speaker. That would be the solution to the problem. From a number of people, I know for a fact Donald Trump has been contacted. Uh about possibly him being an interim speaker. Is that a reality? I, I don't know. I, he'd be great, but I, I actually, I want Donald Trump That's to be the next BS president of the United answer. States. If he wants to be speaker, well, great. Still, but, well, he, I, I want, I'll be I want clear. Him, I want him to be he'd president still of the United for States. President. He'd still, he's Good. still going to be I, running I for president. Right. That's where we need him is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. If he wants to be speaker, then that's fine too. Uh, 
That's not the answer I'm looking for. For that's just not even close. Hey, I want you to listen to something. This is uh, this is actually some really interesting stuff. Um, about Ukraine, we're switching gears now. I got I got to get you guys to listen to this. Um, this is good stuff. But uh, this was an interview uh, from Natalie Winters. Let's take a listen. Town, you've done such an amazing job on so many complex topics. And in part, it has to do with wait, toppling wait, wait what it's Sorry. about Ukraine. There's so many. We've been at this for years now. All this stuff pops up. Tell me about your. You've got an exclusive report out right now. Uh, tell me about it. Sure. Well, as you always say, you know, make it make sense. And I think we talk a lot about managed decline on this show. But frankly, I think what we're seeing with Ukraine really is the accelerated decline of this country. And in part, it has to do with toppling what is going on in Ukraine. We've seen that since 2014 with all the color revolutions going on there. I'd be remiss not to point out Victoria Newland's close interactions with all of that going down because she's an important name for the story that I just published. Um, but on the other side of the Ukraine grift, beyond the Ukrainian oligarchs, you know, embezzling or doing whatever they're doing with our taxpayer dollars on the domestic side of things, a lot of consulting firms that are linked to the White House and some of really the, the highest level in, in, in terms of who they're linked to, whether that be Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Deputy Secretary of State Victoria Newland, are actively involved, in other words, advising the Ukrainian government on how to spend the billions, and I think we're close to 113 billion now, um, in taxpayer aid that Ukraine has received from various departments um, under Joe Biden's tenure as president. But what's so curious, and I think why people need to go to warrooms.org to read this story, is not just Hold the it. brazen has, conflict. Does Memphis of, have the story? Hang on, hang on, hang on. The, slow down, sure. slow down. I'm so shocked about this. Put the article up. You're making my head blow up already. No, this is. Uh, it, 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 audience, I want you angry about this. Blinken I want you to embrace what Natalie's telling you. Just Ukraine on how to spend U.S. foreign aid. One is the Albright uh, group, and uh, the other is the West Exec Group. And Blinken, before he was Secretary of State, was the head of West Exec, which is this think tank just across the street from the White House that's been impacting foreign policy for the longest time. You also have the Brookings Institution, and you have all of these other entities that are these groups that are run by radical liberals and academics that don't know crap about real life, never ever hired a person, never ran a business, but they're, 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 making, they're getting rich off of this money laundering scheme that's going into Ukraine and then bouncing back out to their pockets by way of financing their consulting firms and getting them all rich. And what they do in exchange is they offer up really ill advice. Advice that's getting us into World War III, that's pushing Russia into the arms of China and fortifying and accelerating BRICS and the de-dollarization as a standard in the world economy. These people are wrecking our world and our system. They're globalists. They're financed by the Klaus Schwabs and the Black Rocks of the world. And this is what's going on. Just hit rewind and give me that again because... 
you know, Zelensky had the secret meeting up on Wall Street with with Ackman and at least Fink's guys from Fink's group and Schwartzman about the trillion dollars going to take to rebuild it. They're already t- putting your pension funding money, pension fund money there. But this is actually the hundred and 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 I just saw an AP story. They had the same thing. AP story said forty billion dollars. It's not forty billion. They they carved this up to try to make as little as possible. It's 113 to 120 billion right now before we get to the secret deal that he's done. Of that 120 billion dollars of that cash flow, are you telling me that people that are close to Newland and to Blinken in this crowd are actually in consulting firms that are that are guiding where this money goes? Yeah, and not just close or proximal. I mean, quite literally, the co-founder of the consulting firm uh, that is writing white papers on how Ukraine should best leverage its foreign aid. I'm, of course, talking about the infamous uh, West Exec Advisors. People may know this firm as the one that caught a lot of mainstream attention for being responsible for staffing some of the highest levels, but even junior level, too, um, really a, a large contingent of the Biden White House in the early days. And West Exec uh, was actually co-founded by Antony Blinken and Michelle Flournoy. But what's so interesting about her ties to all of this is that there was what was called the Kiev Security Compact. And if you read through it, and this is why people need to read the story, not only does it actually admit and outline what their end goal in Ukraine is, which is a multi-decade approach to foreign aid, In other words, the United States will be on the hook. We will be responsible for funding Ukraine's military. And they go list chapter and verse all of the ridiculous things they want. I don't even think the United States military is armed that well. Um, But they they list through. But what's so interesting, too, is that Michelle Flournoy, on the opposite side of things, like you were talking about Wall Street, this firm also advises, you know, CEOs from some of America's and the world's leading corporations and companies. So she did a whole entire media round where she admits to advising Western CEOs on how to approach the Ukraine-Russia conflict, of course, telling them to take a hardcore stance, a hardcore position, aligning themselves with Ukraine. Um, But if you keep reading a lot of these strategy papers, um, again, the other firm that I'm talking about is uh, in in the article is Albright Stonebridge Group. Um, This is a firm where Victoria Newland used to serve as a former senior counselor there. Um, But even uh, our current ambassador to the UN, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, was a counselor there. And curiously, a lot of people who are in the State Department who work on Eastern European affairs, whether it's the Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs or the Secretary of State for Management and Resources, all of those people uh, used to work at Albright Stonebridge Group, too. And we saw not too long ago that they published a white paper. They were recently acquired by Denton's. Um, but outlining how they think a policy called uh, land value capture should be instituted in Ukraine for them to basically use Western funds, use our taxpayer dollars to improve public infrastructure in Ukraine. And they talk about how allegedly it should be the Ukrainian people who are then pocketing the upside of those investments. But I think you and I know well enough that ain't going to happen in Ukraine. And I think the real tell here. Um, at least in that paper, is that they admit, they say war, conflict, what is the ongoing conflict, uh, presents a window of opportunity 
to achieve changes that would otherwise not be possible. And that's basically a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing slightly. Um, but when you talk about why these people want to continue this war and what the upside is, I mean, this story explains it. And real quick, Steve, too, just to link it um, just to development, I think a few months ago, if you remember, there was this sort of mass move, this blitz, where a lot of other D.C.-based law firms and lobbyists were registering under FARA to work on behalf of the Ukrainian government. I mean, dozens of people trouncing uh, registrations, even that I've seen recently, for the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and it's just very, very curious to me that you see this massive lobbying push because Ukraine, they don't have the money, the funds to be paying these people, right? The only money that they're getting, the only incoming is really coming from the United States, right? From foreign aid from these Western countries. So I think it just sort of begs the question as to, you know, who is paying the salaries of whether they're, they're foreign lobbyists, the yeah. people who are mounting the presence here in D.C.? <laughs> Hang, hang on. I want you to hold on a second. I'm bringing Congressman Biggs. I just one question for our bringing Congressman Biggs. Did you say in your, in your investigative report that the white paper said they've already laid out this is a multi-decade uh, approach? This is already a commit. This would be a multi-decade approach from our State Department, basically from yeah, U.S. So taxpayers? That so that comes from the consulting group that is linked to Antony Blinken, and they want us to enter into a joint partnership with Ukraine, the United States, and a couple other Western countries um, to create, like you said, that's a direct quote, a multi-decade approach to foreign aid. And they list through what they want, whether it's weapons, they want um, a defense force that includes Ukrainian starting 18 years old and above to do mandatory training exercises with their Western counterparts. It, the list of demands is absolutely crazy. And the buried lead is that they admit in this paper, Michelle Flournay, again, who was considered almost to potentially be Secretary of State, but who was Anthony Blinken's co-founder, that they're actively consulting and liaising with political leaders, academic leaders, media leaders in the West to try to bring about this, to try to make this happen. And, and we know the Biden regime doesn't have a good track record of registering with the Foreign Agent Registrations Act. But I think the point is, is that a lot of these people right now are currently serving maybe pro bono. I, I'm sure there's some financial upside for them, um, but they're trying to, I think, really ingratiate themselves in this Ukrainian reconstruction scheme because they know, just yeah. like you see the Clinton Global mm -hmm. Initiative trying to get involved in it, too. They know there's going to yeah. be a lot of money no, no, um, on the upside. No, right. no, no. The, the, the private meeting they had with Fink and the crowd up on Wall Street, Zelensky, that was the big meeting he went to. They're, 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 this is a new business development opportunity. That's why they're not taking cash right now. Just hang on once. So anyway, there's a part two to this that we're going to be playing uh, tomorrow. And also... Keep in mind, uh, this stuff is big news, and this is why the Clinton Gateway Initiative is is. Then I have a a, a, a part, a, another audio clip that's going to expand on another aspect of this conflict in Ukraine. We're going to be playing tomorrow as well, but that is some real stuff right there, folks. Well, if you want to keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free, head on over to magapack.org. Make a donation if you can. Uh, to support America First policies and the MAGA movement. Also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.